Hello, Khaled, and welcome and thanks for talking to us today. I am Anita Fuentes. I'm the executive producer and host of the Security in Context podcast, and Omar Dahi is here with us today. He's the director of uh, Security in Context. Hi, Omar. Hi, Anita. So I would like to start by asking you if you could introduce yourself to our audience and maybe tell us about your background and your work. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Khaled Barakat. I was born in born in Jerusalem, nineteen seventy two, and I uh, grew up in Jerusalem. I left Palestine uh, at a very early age. I was twelve to uh, New York, um, and I have been a worker. Uh, I left school at a very early age. I was ten. And so I've been uh, a worker for uh, most of my life. And um, I spent about maybe 14 or 15 years of my life in the U.S. And uh, then in Canada, Europe, Lebanon, and uh, mostly in the Shetat and diaspora. Um, I'm a writer. I write uh, regularly in the daily Lebanese newspaper, Lakhbar, and a cultural magazine in Beirut, Al Adab magazine. And uh, yeah, now currently I live in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Khalid, thanks again for joining us on short notice. This is Omar Dahi. I wanted to ask you about what seems to be a coordinated political campaign in Canada. Uh, by multiple parties uh, asking the government to expel you from the country. Can you explain a little bit more about the details and the background of this campaign? Who are the main groups or actors behind it? Uh, and what are some of their goals and, and kind of narratives that they're putting forward? I think it's easy to uh, spot who the forces behind this campaign. It's the definitely the racist, right-wing, fascist groups in this country. Uh, in alliance with the Israeli embassy and the Zionist uh, organizations uh, who work as proxies for Israel and some of them even for some security agencies. They said that publicly in their statements that they've been gathering intelligence information and they've been uh, working uh, directly with the Israeli security uh, agencies and they call themselves uh, human rights organizations. I mean, it's really, it's, it's a joke. And uh, this campaign, uh, the goal behind this campaign is to divert the attention of what's happening in Canada and what's happening in Palestine. What's happening in Canada is recently we have seen a success in four major Canadian universities, uh, Concordia, McGill, University of British Columbia, Simon Fraser Universities. These students, uh, governments and student societies have been uh, voicing their position against Israeli crimes and uh, Israeli colonization of Palestine, and they have been, you know, very clear about their support to Palestinian people's rights of self-determination and uh, freedom and return. And so Israel and, uh, you know, the Zionist uh, organization here want to divert the attention from uh, the discussion on Palestine. They also don't want 
uh, the public to uh, get engaged uh, in terms of what's happening in Palestine. We see on a daily basis Israel is committing, um, you know, crimes against Palestinians everywhere in Palestine from the river to the sea, whether they're racist laws against our people in 1948 occupied Palestine inside Israel or whether the continuation of the siege on our people in Gaza, um, you know, and their daily uh, oppression of our people in Jerusalem and, and the West Bank. So Israel wants to shift the discussion from that to uh, create fear. Um, and they, they, they know that fear is a very powerful tool that they can use uh, by spreading uh, uh, fear and say, hey, look, you have this guy who lives in Canada and uh, he is a, an extremist leftist writer uh, and maybe, you know, you need to deport him. Now, uh, this also reveals many facts about Canada and about the racism that uh, that uh, goes here. You know, I am a Canadian citizen, and so uh, you know, if if I was like a, a white person with a, with a blue eyes, they wouldn't say deport him. Uh, you know, they'll say prosecute him. They'll say you have to check. You know, his, but they won't say deport him. Uh, but it's it's very easy to say you know, deport that person. And they, they base their allegations and their demand uh, based on my case in Germany. Um, my partner, Charlotte, and I, we were living in uh, in Berlin, and uh, I was deported uh, from uh, Berlin uh, because of my political activities and because of uh, my... Uh, uh, role in the organizing of the Palestinian community. And they even said that. I mean, the Germans have said that. And they said uh, clearly that you did not commit any, you know, crime in in Germany. Uh, you didn't do anything against the law in Germany, but we don't like your ideas and we don't like your thoughts and we don't like the way you talk about Palestine and about uh, Palestinians. And we think you're a threat. Uh, to, uh, you know, uh, the relationship between the Arab community and the Jewish community in, in Canada. I mean, it's, a, it's a joke. But I am not a German citizen. I was working there, you know, on a temporary uh, residency. So, But what also we did is, is we didn't accept that, of course. So there was a court in Berlin on March 11th, and they ruled that it was illegal to ban me from participating in a lecture. I was invited by three Arab community organizations to speak about Trump deal of the century. Uh, and uh, when we went to the event, um, we saw so many police cars and, um, you know, security presence, and they shut down the event and they said, you can't speak in any public events in, in Germany. I mean, these Arab organizations in Berlin, they were like the Sudanese community, the Iraqi community, and the Syrian community. And that was a good thing because, you know, we're pushing for a unity of our, you know, the community and our people to actually work together. And uh, they don't want to see that. So, in short, these um, governments, like in Germany and in Canada, they are allies of Israel. Uh, you cannot distinguish between the position, the official positions of these government and, and of Israel. 
and yet they cannot tolerate uh, us uh, speaking our uh, mind and uh, uh, you know analyze uh, political um, affairs and you know the Palestinian people uh, struggle at this stage and they just want to portray us uh, the way they do in like Hollywood films you know a bunch of terrorists extremists they just you know no one should listen to them so Khaled, the campaign against you is one of the many smear campaigns being launched against pro-Palestinian people and pro-Palestinian voices. So what is your explanation for the timing of these campaigns or why are they or why do they seem to be increasing now? I think it's because of what happened last year. The unity um, of our people was were demonstrated and materialized in almost an intifada. Israel also saw that Palestinians not just are able to unify themselves, but to, to engage in all forms of struggle in one battle. We saw that the Palestinian resistance in Gaza role and the Palestinian people inside Israel in 1948 occupied territories, Jerusalem, and the Shittat. Israel feared that. And, um, of course, these allegations, these campaigns, smear campaigns have started it before, you know, May of 2021. Um, we know, for example, uh, a very uh, close friend of mine, Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi, someone I know for 35 years. Uh, when I was a youth organizing Palestinian workers in New York, you know, uh, we were uh, struggling together there um, during the first intifada. She's been under attack by uh, Zionists, you know. And young uh, Palestinian uh, activists like Nardine Kiswani, a Palestinian student and activist in New York, she's been subjected to all kinds of smear campaigns, including uh, comrades from the, um, you know, like uh, Jewish comrades and uh, solidarity, you know, folks who have been uh, attacked by by uh, Zionists and in these smear campaigns. I think it's, again, is to divert the attention, to personalize it, to make it a problem of one individual or a group of people or one organization. And, you know, I mean, we're not running away from the discussion when they say, oh, uh, you support, for example, the PFLP. You know, because when they do that, when they say that, they're trying to use, to criminalize us because there is, you know, uh, organizations like Hamas, the PFLP, Hezbollah are on the so-called terrorist list. So they want to use this law to criminalize everyone. So, you know, if you organize a lecture to talk about Ghassan Kanafani, then you are uh, a proxy of the PFLP. Because they don't want to know who's Ghassan Kanafani. They don't want to hear about Ghassan Kanafani, novels and short stories and, you know, his narrative and what he represents for our people. So the easiest thing to do is just call them uh, extreme leftists who are agents of the PFLP. Uh, I don't know of any progressive uh, community organizations in North America that was not called something like that in, in the last, you know, 10 years. But again, we want to fight these kind of laws that criminalize Palestinian resistance. When they list 
Palestinian resistance group on the the so-called foreign terrorist entities. This is an attack on the Palestinian people. And it is an attack on Palestinian communities in, in North America. And that's why they want to separate our people from the resistance. So people won't say, uh, you know, even the names of these organizations. And so they want to spread fear and to detach communities from uh, the armed resistance. And uh, I think they're failing because, you know, like people when they are demonstrating and in uh, hundreds of thousands, uh, especially in the diaspora, I mean, that's all they chant. They say, we're with the resistance. We're with the boycott of Israel. We will, you know, the unity of our people. I mean, and so they're failing. Um, I mean, they're failing big time. This is 2022. It's not, you know, the after, uh, the day after September 11th where they were prosecuting and criminalizing our community left and right. There are organizations that dissolve itself because of the fear that they've been subjected to. So I think we are, um, you know, we need to fight back, and it's important that we scrap that list that criminalized the resistance. Now, it's a law, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we cannot, uh, you know, break the law, but we don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it. We don't have to, you know, be subordinate. We have our tools of organizing and say, no, you cannot criminalize Palestinian resistance and Lebanese resistance. The laws that you're referring to, they also legitimate Israeli actions, because when you look at the situation in Palestine, and the only thing you see is what the Palestinian resistance is doing, and you condemn that, you're actually becoming a partner in the Israeli actions towards the Palestinians because you're attacking one and uh, essentially whitewashing the other or legitimating the other. And I think that both sides of that are important to condemn. Uh, I agree with you completely. And I appreciate that you raised the issue of, of Germany as well, we could, which is basically trying to criminalize the BDS campaign and criminalizing uh, basically dissent and pro-Palestinian voices or harassing them or trying to silence them in, in various ways. And this is even targeting German citizens. Uh, you are not a citizen there, but it's also targeting Germans there. So it's uh, really disappointing to see the same things being used in Canada. But as you said, it's also coinciding with more education and awareness and the fact that you see more even mainstream human rights organizations like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International and, and so on, talking about Israeli apartheid and institutional racism and so on. I wanted to bring it back to one of the issues that you were targeted for, which is somewhat ironic because uh, one of the things you're being targeted is your association with the Samidun Palestinian Prisoners Network. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work of that network and why does it exist and what does it try to do? What are some of its goals? Yes, uh, Samidun have been subjected to all forms of uh, pressure uh, and smear campaigns. In February 2021, Gantz, uh, you know, the defense minister in uh, Israel, uh, have designated Samidun on the Israeli uh, terrorist list. And uh, they try to criminalize Samidun. The reason they do that is because of Samidun work on Palestinian prisoners. They don't want any organization 
outside Palestine or even inside Palestine to talk about the struggle of Palestinian political prisoners. They want to show a false image that these prisoners are just terrorists who are being locked uh, in, in jail. So they don't want to know, you know, uh, the real, they don't want the world to know about who are these Palestinian prisoners. Uh, they're students and uh, union leaders and writers and journalists and, you know, um, Palestinian uh, uh, women who have been engaged in the struggle. Uh, they, some of them, you know, uh, currently there is 4,500 Palestinian political prisoners. Um, Hundreds of them are being in administrative detention without, you know, trial or uh, even the ability to defend themselves. And Israel is using administration detention in order to keep Palestinian um, activists the longest period possible without uh, without trial. And Samidun exposes all of these crimes against Palestinian prisoners, and they don't want that. They also don't want anyone to translate the creative work and analysis and political positions of Palestinian uh, leaders who are in prison or writers such as Walid Dakka, you know, a great Palestinian writer or someone like Ahmed Saadat who uh, would offer uh, a great uh, analysis about Palestine and the struggle of, you know, Palestine. They don't want to uh, hear anything about Palestinian women prisoners uh, and their stories because Samidun exposes these crimes by the Israeli uh, prison authorities and translate that into 10, 11, 12 languages. And so they want Samidun uh, gone. They don't like this uh, network uh, that is an international network of activists. And so, you know, lately uh, they try to dissolve the collective of Palestine. Bangra in France, uh, they are an integral part of Samidun network. They also wanted to prosecute some of the uh, members of, uh, of uh, Samidun. Uh, these campaigns actually, for uh, some reason, have made Samidun even more stronger. More people are joining Samidun. In the last year, I mean, they have, uh, I think, doubled their numbers. I'm not sure if uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, like their work has been very effective right after they were designated. So it's not working. I mean, Israel is failing on that front. So my my last question for you is, uh, well, a large number of Canadian and international organizations have signed a petition in solidarity both with, with you and with Sami Dune um, against the smear campaign that we were talking about. So the petition, which was started by the Canada-Palestine Association from Vancouver, has been endorsed by 49 organizations, I believe. So how can our listeners find out more information about your struggle? And at a broader level, I was wondering if you could briefly comment on what is the most effective form of resistance to, to these kinds of attacks? Yes, uh, I think uh, that uh, people could find out through um, Samidun website, samidun.net, and also Canada-Palestine Association, and an organization that 
was also engaged in defending Samidun last year uh, when Samidun was attacked by Zionist organizations here in Canada. I think the number of organizations that signed the petition uh, is probably over 60 or 65 organizations. This is important because it's actually bringing people together to uh, fight back because they know that it is not Samidun or Khalid Barakat that is being targeted. It is actually their work. They are the one who's building the solidarity movement with Palestine. Unions and student activists, uh, Palestinians, Arab and Jewish comrades and organizations who've, who've been building the solidarity movement for years. I mean, not uh, it's not something uh, new. So, so it's their fight. Uh, and it's our fight, and so this is uh, important. I think it's uh, it's important sometimes to differentiate between like which re- battle we really should be engaged in, and how, uh, and and not to change our priorities. We want people to focus on building solidarity with Palestine, keep up the boycott movement strong and alive, and accumulate more and more victories in unions and in. Uh, you know, churches and, and universities. And, and we think that this is really the most important thing. At the same time, not to give any kind of concessions uh, or budge to these smear campaigns. We need to have a clear political position on our support of Palestinian people, right? To decolonize Palestine from the river to the sea, to support Palestinian resistance, all forms of resistance. Palestinians are the one who can determine which resistance and when they resist. They are the one who uh, are being, you know, brutalized and, and, and massacred by the Israelis. So they have, uh, you know, the, all the right to determine uh, what form of struggle uh, they choose. But for us in Canada and the United States and Europe, our role is to support our people, support Palestinians, support their struggle, and uh, and unify our movement, and 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 not just Palestinian movement, but the anti-imperialist movement in in uh, the belly of the beast, you know. Um, and and it's, it's really important to connect our struggles together, uh, you know, the struggle for uh, black liberation in in the United States, the struggle for self-determination and sovereignty of indigenous people in in Canada, the struggle against racism, empowering refugees and immigrants. All of these struggles are connected and they're important and they're all important. Khaled Barakat, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It was a pleasure to to get to meet you, even if it was not in person. And I hope we can have you again in Security in Context or Status Hour. Thank you so much for having me.